Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Renee Rouleau, welcome back. How are you? Back again. <laughs> back, back, back again. Uh, it was so nice to see you. Uh, you were a, a huge smash when you came on the show recently talking about your incredible career. And you are somebody who I follow on social media and you are, by all accounts, living my dream life. <laughs> <laughs> because Aww. you ride motorbikes, you have been to a gun range and I've always wanted to feel what it's like to shoot a gun safely in a safe mm-hmm. environment. I'm just curious about that. And you seem to always be, you're somebody who always seems to be doing. So it just seemed perfect to get you on to talk about feel-good habits because it seems that you are very much in tune in looking for those things that bring you joy and make you feel good. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah, so for me, kind of the, the backstory of it, it's all about fighting fear. That's kind of been like a, a little bit of a theme in my life is that, you know, fear is um, something that can be very debilitating. And, and that's, you know, I, I'm, I think I grew up in a family where everyone was always nervous all the time. And, you know, just, there was just kind of a lot of fear always surrounding me. And so two, two defining moments that have been a catalyst or a springboard in my life that, um, really helped inspire happiness and feeling good was one in my early twenties. I, uh, I suffered from bad panic attacks that came out of nowhere. And then it turned into, um, becoming agoraphobic. If anyone doesn't know what that is, it's where you are afraid to leave your house. Like the world is too scary. And that was devastating for me. And, I didn't want to just be medicated. And that's what the doctors, you know, they're like, here, take this. And I was like, so I took it, you know, for, for a minute, but I was just like, I don't want to use this as a crutch. And so I really had to push out of my fear. I saw a therapist and I had to do things like go to a shopping mall and sit on a bench for three minutes. And it was like the most scariest thing I ever did in my life. But eventually, you know, I kind of became a little desensitized to it. And now I don't have an issue with it. But so it's always about like, pushing myself out of fear and not letting fear control me. And so fast forward a gazillion years later, um, I lost my husband two years ago to cancer and that brought on all sorts of fear. We were together 22 years. I was in a comfort zone, you know, he was my right arm and all of a sudden that is gone. And so that created all new, you know, fear because, the world is scary without having, you know, with, you know, I wasn't in that comfort zone anymore. And, and I didn't have somebody that, um, you know, by my side that protected me and made me feel safe and made the world a better place. And so, so 
again, you know, it's that fear thing. I'm not going to let fear get the best of me. So a big, yeah. So a big theme in my life is always fighting fear. And now with a pandemic, you know, this is fear, right? We're living in fear. And so I've had to, I've managed um, the pandemic in a way that works for me. It's not for everyone, but I refuse to live my life in fear. And so doing things to not make me feel scared, that's always something I'm, um, I'm, you know, constantly pushing and trying to feel empowered. And so I have all sorts of feel good things that I do and, and certainly can share all of those things. So I'm curious. I mean, these, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like you've actually worked very, very hard and this isn't, you know, you see some people and they're just like, they're just eternally happy and you're like, well, I'm happy for you, but how? Seems like you've actually fought quite, quite hard to find these things and to, to live in this headspace because it wasn't in, it wasn't a case of nurtured into that headspace. It was a case of you had to really create it for yourself and do you ever find that because you fought really hard for it, if the darkness or whatever you like to call it, I call it the darkness, but if mm-hmm. that begins to creep back in, are you able to see it a mile off and then you just are able to go, right, I know exactly what I need here to make sure that you don't get any closer? Yeah, so great question. So I've, I've always been a happy person. So I have not experienced depression per se, other than you know, loss of a husband is grief. So that of course is, you know, a form of depression, but you know, and then in the early years when I was struggling with some of those anxiety disorders, I suppose that's a sort of depression, but I, but other than that, I'm always generally super happy. I think the thing for me is, is I just, I'm more sensitive to things that I say, if I'm saying no to something, right? So if someone says, oh, do you want to do this? Or do you want to do this? And I say, no, I pause and I go, wait a minute, why am I saying no to that? And so that's probably more of it. I'm always pushing myself to say yes, because life is about experiences, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, saying yes to things that normally you might say no to. So I always, I think about that movie and it was super life-changing for me, but the movie um, Yes Man with Jim Carrey. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie? Yes. So the, yeah. So the movie's all about a guy who's just curmudgeon and he's like, just like, ah, oh, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden a spell gets cast on him and he's saying yes to everything and his world opens up. And so I've, I, I think that should be mandatory watching for all humans at least twice a year is to watch that because how many times do we say no to something and we're basically giving up on a great experience that could change your life, you know, could change your life or whatever. So, so I think that's it more for me is I want to embrace all life has to offer. And it's easy to say no to something. I'm too tired. I'm too, I don't feel like it. I don't, whatever. So I think that's, that's it for me is just saying yes. And the world opens when you say yes to things that you might normally say no to. And then, and then the fear part, you know, when you say no to something that's scary, you're giving into your fear, the fear won, right? And so it's kind of like, wait a minute, why am I letting the fear win? I want to win. And so, so, and that's like going back to having panic attacks and being agoraphobic, the fear was winning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not going to let you have control. Like, I'm going to win. And so, and same with grief, right? Like, I'm not going to bury my head in the sand and let grief take me down. So, so for me, it's always about just 
I want to be in control. I want to be pushing through fears. And, you know, so I, I stay, so when something's scary, so be it, you know, um, you know, I ride a motorcycle, right? That's scary. When I first started riding, it's super scary, but it's like, how great does it feel when you push through something that you were scared of? Um, so it's stuff like that. Okay. I really, I mean, I love all of this and I, you've hit the nail on the head. I have also experienced anxiety and depression and I definitely, uh, mine characterized in being very scared to leave the house unless yeah. it was just to go to somewhere around the corner or somewhere I knew very, very well, but it would be, right. you know, that, that was the control. And, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel like it just made the world very, very small. The world just became stupidly small because that was how I felt safe. And actually, exactly yeah. as you say, saying yes to things. And, and I have gone through exactly the same thing of if I just say yes immediately rather than saying no and then going back and saying, I'm sorry, I've changed my mind. Just trying to develop yes as a reflex. Yeah, yeah is really helpful. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's not easy, but like you said, a reflex, it's like a muscle. If you keep exercising it, you'll just kind of say yes more often. Yeah. And your life will be more enriched and better because of it. So do you have, um, I, I mean, a feel good habit that you use, uh, in the morning or something that if you feel like the day is feeling a little bit intense ahead of you, is there anything that you do to kind of switch into that really positive headspace? Yeah, I mean, music is probably my go-to. Um, I remember, you know, when when my husband passed away, the house was really quiet, right? And it was awful. Like, it was just like, you just get in your thoughts. So I think music is always, um, I have a whole sound system that is all throughout my house. And, um, you know, that's, I always, I, I it's interesting because, yeah, so I'll have music on a lot, but I'm also mindful not to, not to escape in music, right? There's sometimes that I need silence and I need to be in with my thoughts. And so I, I try to balance that. If I'm escaping something, I'm like, no, 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 don't turn music on. Just be quiet, be still and think. Um, but yeah, music is always, always like the instant mood booster that, that I, I rely on a lot. Do you, um, because you've said your husband passed away, do you, feel um you know you talked about fear is talking about it and saying things like that out loud has that something you is that something you've done since it happened quite soon after it happened and I'll tell you why I'm asking because when we first originally spoke Caroline Hirons and I were talking and I said oh my god she's so amazing and she brought it up and I didn't mention it because mm -hmm. to me I would be devastated at saying something that might upset you yeah, and it very much feels as though you take ownership of it so that it is that am I along the right tracks? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I mean, anybody who's struggling with an issue, once they talk to somebody about it, particularly somebody who can relate to what they're going through. It, it's just like the weight of the world off your shoulders. You know, I just actually had dinner two nights ago with a girlfriend and and um, she's going through something in our marriage and, you know, she's just been holding it in and, you know, just keeping it as like this deep, dark secret. And she kind of just like dumped it on me. And she's like, Renee, thank you so much. Like, 
it felt so good to talk about it and get some clarification and, and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, holding it inside is, you know, as your deep, dark secret or whatever, that doesn't, that doesn't help at all. I think getting it out. And so certainly when, um, when my husband was sick with his cancer, like I, you know, talked a lot about, you know, the journey on social media and it was really therapeutic for me and, and therapeutic for others. I mean, you know, the, the idea is that you're helping yourself while helping others at the same time. And it's a win-win. I mean, you know, it's, it's okay to have struggles and weaknesses and feel fear and all of that. I think just, it doesn't serve anybody when you hold that in. I've always been really curious with um, people who work, particularly skin on skin therapies. So facials, body work, anything like that. The, there's always, um, or I believe there's transference and it can be really easy for you perhaps working on somebody to pick up on energy, whether that's positive or negative or sadness. I've heard a lot mm -hmm. of therapists say that they'll start working on someone and they'll suddenly feel a wash of sadness over them. So mm. have you had to develop your boundaries in the job that you do as well in terms of not absorbing other people's energies and preserving your own? Um, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a very empathetic person. So like that doesn't bother me if somebody dumps a bunch of stuff on me. I've, I've learned, you know, I, I think when you're in a profession as an esthetician, a service provider in the beauty industry, you go into it because you're here to serve and being, you know, serving as being a good listener and allowing people to utilize the time they have with you however they want it, right? However they want to. Some clients just want to go to sleep, right? This is just like, I want to turn my brain off. Renee, you do, you make my skin look better when I wake up, that's your job. And then some people find that intimate, you know, that intimate time as a way for them to share in a way that they can't with other people. And so I've just always looked at it like you have 75 minutes with me and however you, you know, this is, you're paying me to provide a service, whatever that is. So yeah, so the boundaries thing, actually you're open to it. Mm -hmm. Good. For sure. yeah. That's interesting. I've spoken to therapists in the past who have, who've, who've talked about developing a block. So that's really interesting that you're almost saying, well, it's part of the, it's part of the job. It's part of the treatment almost like I'll yeah. take, I'll, I'll share it with you. So yeah. please talk to me about riding motorbikes and how this started and how it makes you feel because you said it was originally quite scary. Was it something that you would never thought you would ever do? And then now all of a sudden it's something that brings you great joy? Well, I've been, yeah, I've, I've always been as much as I, I was the youngest of four children and they say by the fourth child, they let you juggle knives. And that was the case in my family. You know, the first child, you know, the, my parents are just so nervous and, you know, whatever. But by the fourth, they're like, ah, figure it out. You fall and you skin your knee. Ah, no big deal. So I feel really lucky that I was the youngest child because it allowed me to not be so micromanaged by my parents. And I could, I was, I had a lot more freedom to make mistakes and, and things like that. So so I, I've, I've definitely always been the wild child of the family because I had the most freedom. And so I, I definitely have been an adventurer. And so for me, you know, and, and there's an empowerment 
to feeling like a badass, right? Like, I mean, there's not many girls that ride motorcycles. And so there's something just super empowering about doing something that in theory, society isn't always telling women they should do. And um, so I used to, my late husband had a motorcycle and I used to ride on the back of his and he, uh, he was shorter than me. And so I was a little top heavy on the back or whatever. So you know, kind of logistically, it was sometimes a little challenging to have me on the back. Um, I mean, he could do it, but he was five, six and I'm five, nine. He was French. So he was a little guy. And uh, so part of it was logistics where he's like, Hey, you know, would you ever get your own motorcycle? And, and he just, and he thought, you know, I would, I would, it would come naturally to me. I'm taller, I have long legs, et cetera. And so I said, sure. And, uh, so I've been riding, I think for like 17 years and, you know, it, it's, uh, riding a motorcycle is scary. I, I have a very, well, my motorcycle I have now is 200 pounds lighter than my last one. But I mean, I ride big motorcycles, like they're heavy and, and, you know, it's not just like a little moped or something. I mean, it's serious. And, uh, and yeah, it's scary, especially, you know, somebody cuts you off and I mean, you have to really pay attention more. So now I notice a huge difference with how you have to navigate cars because people are on their phones and they're distracted compared to many years ago. So, so yeah, every time I'm on my, I'm on my motorcycle, you know, there's always a little bit of that fear of like, am I going to live today? And, but it's kind of fun and exhilarating because you're kind of, Hey, am I going to live today? Like, I don't know. It's a weird thing, but yeah. So I've, I've ridden motorcycles really actually all over the world. Um, me and my late husband, when we would travel internationally, we would rent motorcycles. And so I've ridden in Greece and Cape town and Bali, Malaysia, all sorts of places. And then we've done a lot, um, a lot of long distance trips here in the States. So we've, um, we've always actually been more long distance riders than we have been kind of around town riders. But now I'm a little bit more of an around town rider because I live in downtown Austin, Texas, and I have a lot of buddies that ride. And actually, I'm, I was just messaging with a girl yesterday. I'm possibly thinking about starting an all girls motorcycle club here in Austin and spearheading it. I've wanted to do it for a long time. And I messaged this girl who I'd spoken about spoken about with it who's from Brooklyn and and I was like you know I'm kind of thinking about doing it like they have a they basically have a chapter in Brooklyn and I had met with them like five years ago about starting a chapter in Austin so I was going to do it but I just got busy and I just kind of said are you guys looking to have a new chapter in Austin maybe I'll do that so who knows but uh but that could be super fun you well you're going to need some badass t-shirts and some bandanas <laughs> and I want some merch. If I can't, exactly. <laughs> if I can't ride a motorbike, I at least want a yes. bandana, please. <laughs> exactly. It's funny, actually, I was just very recently listening to an interview that Edward Norton, the actor, did um, with, I think it was Tim Ferriss, and he was talking about uh, riding his motorbike. He loves motorbikes, and he was riding and just saying he can he sees people on their phone for, for just driving, not looking at the road at all. And it frightens mm. the bejesus out of him. So, yeah. So here, so here's an interesting thing. And I know probably this thought process is a little controversial, but I can't tell you how many times. And so this goes based on the fear thing and, you know, yeah, motorcycles are dangerous. Absolutely. Right. People die on them all the time. And anyone who rides a motorcycle knows that. And, um, but that's, but it's like, you don't want to 
kill your passion, you know, like you don't want to like give up your passion or whatever because of what could happen or could possibly not happen. And so I can't tell you how many guys that I know that will say, oh yeah, I had, I used to have a motorcycle and my wife made me sell it. <laughs> and, you know, they have kids now and I get it. I completely understand that. But I'm of the mindset where like, I would never be like that. I'm like, I'd be like, babe, if you're happy and this allows you to, I mean, cause riding a motorcycle is super, it's like meditation, you know? I mean, yes, when you're on a busy highway, it's, you know, you've got to pay attention, but you, your goal is to get out on the open road and you clear your head. It's, I mean, there's nothing like it. Anyone who's ridden a motorcycle, you know what I mean. It is so relaxing. It's just, there's very few things I do that give me that kind of, you know, clear headspace. And so, so, but yeah, they say, oh yeah, my wife made me sell it. And so they're, and they're always just like a little mopey about it. Cause you know, but you know, maybe it's adulting, maybe it's the responsible thing to do. You have children now, whatever. And so a couple days ago I was reading an article with George Clooney. He was just interviewed by GQ.com and, and he got in a really bad motorcycle accident a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, and and he said, yeah, my wife, Amal, made me sell my motorcycle. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, another one, marriage where all motorcycle dreams go to die. <laughs> <laughs> so, and again, I get it. I'm not, you know, teach, teach their own or whatever, but it was just like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's it a tough one. Is. I get it. Now, yeah. something that you do, which is something I've always wanted to try and again, this might be somewhat controversial, but I obviously want to do it in this in safe way. And that's exactly what you do. But you go to a gun range. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course, I'm here in Texas. So this is yeah. very normal here. Um, but yeah, so my my late husband was a sniper in the French army. And so I've been around guns, you know, with him. We used to live outside of Dallas on 40 acres out in the country and he had a gun range on our properties. And so, so he introduced me to it and he had quite the collection. Um, and it's just for fun, it's a hobby. And, um, and so I, had, I hadn't shot in a long time, but I just went to a range a couple weeks ago and it's super, for fun. And again, it's, you know, it's kind of that badass thing. It's not something, you know, girls usually do. And there's, it's just a really empowering feeling um, to be able to essentially kind of defend yourself. Right. So, um, but yeah, so I'm always looking to challenge myself in ways that I get a win out of it, which is feeling really good and feeling really strong. Right. And so there's, there's things, I mean, yeah, you feel super empowered and confident when you're doing something that girls don't normally do in theory. Do you, are you somebody who would hate to be defined for somebody to say, that's Renee, she knows about skincare, she likes pink things and sex in the city <laughs> movies? Like, say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Would somebody, would somebody hearing about, like taking one look at you and hearing about your job, putting you in a box, would that actually irritate the crap out of you? Do you like surprising people? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it won't irritate the crap out of me, but yeah, people, I definitely, um, you know, someone looks at you and they'll judge you or something. Right. And, and everybody has, you know, they're wired differently and, and yeah, I always surprise people and, you know, I, I, I never want anyone to feel like they completely know me. There should always be a mystery. And I, I'm in a, my boyfriend, you know, he's always constantly just like, you never know what Renee's going to do today. And, but to me, I like the variety. I'm somebody that likes change. And, you know, as a child, I, I, uh, we moved every two to three years. So I was in so many different schools, constantly changing. And I, I realized that I crave change. So I never want to be put in a box and just be, you know, just be kind of known as one thing or whatever. I'm constantly, you know, part of life is about learning. So you continue to grow. And, um, so yeah, I'm always trying to add new things to my resume of my personal and professional life just to constantly challenge myself. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I definitely feel monotony uh, or doing the same thing day in, day out. When I first started in work after I left university, I did a job where I got for 18 months, I got the same train every morning. So that meant getting up at the same time, same length shower, walk to the station, stood on the same place in the platform to sit in the same seat in the same carriage. And that went on for yeah. 18 months. And I felt that that really... Um, I felt that that made me atrophy and it, I felt like it made me really slow and boring. And I did not like that feeling because, mm -hmm. and I, I like things to be different. Do you, is that, is that a feel good habit for you? Making sure that there's always something different on the horizon. There's always a new challenge. Always. Yes. Always. I think, um, no, and that's, that's great. I, I am always looking for like, I, I kind of call it like cheap thrills, right? There's a lot of little things that I can do even in a given day that just bring a buzz, right? Just something to bring a little bounce in my step. So for example, um, uh, I had posted on social and I think you saw it, but I did 30, uh, 30 cold showers. I didn't do 30 days of cold showers 
um, you know, 30 consecutive days because I have pink hair and on my hair washing day, it's a whole process to put the pink back in. And no, I'm just not going to do that with cold water. So any, t any day that I didn't wash my hair, which is like every four days or something is when I wash it. Um, I would do a cold shower. So I did 30 of them. So like, I mean, that's like, it's free. It's, you know, it's easy. I mean, and it's just super invigorating because I don't drink coffee either. So in the morning, I can't rely on caffeine to get like what? a little bounce in my step. <laughs> I know. And so something like, you know, a shower is just, I mean, a cold shower is just like an easy way to just be feel empowered and, and feel confident and get a little bounce in my step, something super fun. Well, I started messaging you because I love a cold shower and actually I got out of the habit. I'm now definitely back into it because of your posts. But I feel like it's one of those moments very early on in the day when you could, where you could give up. But you mm -hmm. could basically like, as I would say, like you could be a bit of a pussy about it and go, oh, I'm not going to put the... I'm not going right. to put the cold water on. And actually, it's a, it's a decision, I feel like, not just the cold shower, which makes you really breathe in and it like turns everything on. But I feel like it's that decision to say, I'm going to go through a little bit of something uncomfortable and that's going to make me feel great. I feel like putting the hand on the tap is as much of the process as actually yeah. being under the water. <laughs> well, I think it's really like, I mean, they always say like the hard, hard, hardest part of anything is saying yes, right? Just like, you know, I mean, kind of like a workout, but, you know, the hardest part is just committing and showing up. The workout's, you know, going to be much easier after that, but just pushing through your brain to commit to something. And that's why people should be saying yes more, even though they're like, oh my God, I'm crazy. Why am I saying yes? But like, that's, you know, life is, you know, life is getting out of your comfort zone and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think cold showers is a really good way of saying to somebody, yes, it's really uncomfortable. Yes, it's difficult to put your hand on that tap and turn it all the way to cold. But the benefits afterwards, like how you feel afterwards, that's what happens when you do something uncomfortable. You feel really great. Yeah. Something, yeah. something uncomfortable like cold showers, obviously. Not in the case of everything uncomfortable, but there we go. Yeah. Um, are there any uh, feel-good habits that you have around work? Because obviously it doesn't matter, even if you love what you do for a job, there can be days when it all really gets on top of you. Is, is there anything that you go to to just make sure that you don't get bogged down by it and that you still have that love for it, but you're also enjoying it, even the difficult stuff? Yeah, two things. Uh, great question. Do, two things that come to mind. One is in my company, we have a team of 19 of us um, in my skincare company. And a big thing in our company is having everyone always working on their fives. And what this means is <clears throat> not always easy to do, but in, you know, in my job, granted, I can hire people to delegate things to and that sort of thing. But in my job, I have a job description, a list of responsibilities that I do. And, and the goal is on a, on a scale of one to five with one being like, oh my gosh, I hate doing that. Good riddance. If I never had to do that again, I'd be so happy. A five is, oh my gosh, I love doing that. I could do that all day long. That makes me so happy. In a perfect world, everyone's job should and how they spend their work time should be they should be doing their fives and so in my company if there's something on my list and, and we rank them we, I, I did this whole exercise a while back and 
I rank them. And if something's a three or a four, luckily I don't do any ones. Um, in the early years of running my company, I did because you, you had to wear every hat, right? But the reality is when you're doing your fives, those are the things that not only give you the greatest satisfaction, but also where you need to be because you're inherently wired for that, right? And so, so I'm always looking to delegate out threes and fours. Um, or, you know, to find to make sure that I'm just really thriving on all the things I should be doing. So that's kind of one thing that comes to mind. That goes um, back to your what we talked about when you came on the podcast um, a few weeks ago, where you talked about make your strength stronger. Don't try and make your weaknesses. Exactly. Good. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. No, just focus on what your superpowers are. So, so, you know, because and if there's something on my list that I do that it's a three, that that could be a five on some on someone else on my team, right? Like I don't totally love it, but guess what? You know, uh, Ronica may love that. And so it's always about trying to, you know, really recognize what things you love and what things you don't, because the things that you love to do will ultimately ultimately make you happier. Um, and then the second thing that comes to mind we have a thing in our company where we do what are called clarity breaks, which is we encourage everyone in our company to just walk out of the office for a little bit, walk around, clear your head, just take a break, right? And and so that's a big thing in our office. Like, hey, I'm gonna go take a clarity break. And and it's just a chance to just clear your head and then come back and kind of, you know, feel renewed. But I but I think a big thing for me is I I love a good power nap, like a good 25 minute power nap in the afternoon. So like we have a couch at my office and, and, and I can, I'm the youngest of four, so I can sleep through anything. So no one has to walk on eggshells or be quiet. Renee's taking a nap. Like you do you, and I can sleep through anything. So a power nap is like, that's like, I can take a nap for 25 minutes. I completely fall asleep, like have dreams and everything. And then 25 minutes later I wake up and I feel like I've drank a can of Red Bull. Like I just, I feel super ready to go. That's a really good skill. I wake up from a nap hungry, <laughs> like always. <laughs> um, do you know what I like about clarity break? And I think this is something that's really, really good for me to hear. And also hopefully for some listeners to hear. Is it actually what you're saying with the clarity break is you are giving people permission to not be thinking about maybe the task at hand you're giving people permission to just clear their head and just just release the pressure valve and I think sometimes like I know if I get busy I just I'm I my head gets so in it and I'm so bogged down with everything that I've got to do that actually what would be what would really serve me is taking five minutes away and I do sometimes do that by listening to a song and dancing around the office just to kind of distract myself but it's the fact that you're giving people permission to just unplug yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and people will, after 15 minutes, people will come back and, and be able to work better and more efficiently. Yeah. It's a really good tactic. And I think one that I need to maybe use a bit more, although this week it has been, uh, I've had loads of podcasts really late in the day and you know, your adrenaline's going and what really helps is listening to a Taylor Swift song just before you're due to start recording. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I don't know why. Um, is good there old Taylor. Any, good old Taylor. We do love her. Is there anything else in terms of feel good before we come to the end of our time together that you would like to share with listeners that you think is a really helpful, useful tactic? 
Yes, I've saved the best for last. My favorite thing of all. So I, um, I have uh, what is called a joy list and I'm constantly adding to it. And it's my list of things that bring me joy. So I just pulled it up and I'll read you some examples. Some of these are seasonal. Some of these are harder. Some of these are easier, et cetera. But um, things are like, go get a snow cone on a hot summer day. Um, there's a, um, a lake um, or a, um, a swimming pool. Not It's a natural spring. So it's like a little small lake in downtown Austin called Barton Springs. And it's 68 degrees year round. So I'm always popping in there and uh, swimming in there throughout the year. So things are like go for a hike, work out of a coffee shop, just go like change the scenery, um, go for a bicycle ride, cold showers. I have a gratitude box and I'll write down things that I'm grateful for and put it in a box. Um, I do hill sprints, uh, go for a motorcycle ride, uh, get a massage, stretch. Um, let's see. Um, sleep under the stars. So like kind of camping, whatever dance in the rain. So anytime it's raining, I take the opportunity to walk outside and just get drenched. Um, what else is good? Um, switch a car with a friend. So sometimes if a friend has a car that I've never driven before and he or she hasn't driven mine, I'll say, Hey, you want to switch cars for the day? Sure. Just, you know, super fun. Um, what else is good? I'm trying to kind of also think of things that are like somewhat pandemic safe, right? A lot of these things yeah. are on the list. I'm like, ah, oh, easier said than done these days. Uh, oh, go watch the sunrise, go watch the sunset. Like that's a, that's one of my favorites. Um, yeah. And, there, and there's a million things on here, but, um, but yeah, oh, do something nice for a stranger. Um, yeah. So lots of different things, but I, I probably have about 50 things on this list and I'm always adding to it and I'm always seeking to make sure I'm regularly at least once a day doing something off of my joy list. I love this because not only is it meaning that you're doing these things, it means, it means that you're always thinking about something that will give you joy and yeah. a load of the things that you mentioned there I mean, I think the majority are free. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are, sure. Which I think is great, you know, going and watching the sunrise, going and watching the sunset. See, in my yeah. agoraphobic brain, I'd be like, ooh, is that when, what, sunrise or sunset, <laughs> when a serial killer is more likely to go? Yeah. <laughs> I have a real, like, worst case scenario brain, and I feel like, actually, I need to start writing a joy list like you, so that I, yeah. I, I quiet down that way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, well, so one book I'll recommend, and I think he's he's in the UK. His name is Ben Aldridge, but the book is called, um, I follow him on Instagram, and I think it's his Instagram. Let me look real quick. I think it's, let me look. His Instagram is do things that challenge you. And so <laughs> his book is called uh, how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, 43 weird and wonderful ways to build a strong, resilient mindset. And that's where I got the cold showers idea. Next thing I'm going to do, um, is I'm going to, he said, eat something gross basically. And so I just, so I, a friend of mine gave me a bunch of dried crickets that he's actually seasoned and they're from Mexico. So I have a big container of them. So I'm going to eat dried crickets, but I was telling that to a friend. So 
So I, I haven't really thought how I'm going to do it. Am I going to eat one a day? Am I going to just load them up on a piece of toast? And I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. But and actually, I have to go back to the book and see what he says. But I just remember quickly seeing that he said something about eating something gross or whatever. And um, but then I was telling a friend and they said, hey, by the way, did you know that Austin has like the biggest manufacturing plant for uh, for dried for making crickets? And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, I know the guy who owns it. So basically, I want to go get a tour. So before I figure out my challenge, I want to go and get a tour of this um, cricket manufacturer. You know, cricket manufacturer. I is it? I don't know if it's all crickets um, or if it's just dried bugs. I'm not sure what it is. I'll, I'll have to look again. But I want to go get a tour and really understand the whole process, and that will be the springboard for however I'm going to eat it. So I don't know if I'm going to like you know make a peanut butter and jelly and then just put a bunch inside or I don't know, but I'll do something really something to get me being comfortable with, you know, being uncomfortable. I feel like margaritas, nachos, guacamole, <laughs> crickets on the top. That's how I yeah. feel like it can work. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. If you drown in guacamole, I'm sure it will taste. Amazing, but a mesquite so. is going to be great. Well, that'd be so interesting yeah. if there are other things like scorpions and other things, right? What else? What yeah, I'm uh, I'm open. So I've loved these feel-good habits because there's a real sense of adventure in them. It's um, not about a lot of the feel-good habits and there's nothing wrong with them at all. I think if I were to think of my five top feel-good habits, they would all fit into this box of what's going to bring me down from a 10 to a four, what's going to stop me feeling, what's going to stop me from crying because I'm overwhelmed. And actually what I really love about your feel-good habits, and dare I say what I really love about you, Renee, is that there's such a sense of adventure and there's a sense of we really taking the world by the horns and living it and being a like really going for it and not just mm. kind of managing it. It's not just about managing yourself. It's about, I'm going to embrace more and challenge myself and I'm going to seek out adventure. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely have loved these. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's really, I mean, I've always been somebody that have been an adventure seeker, but but I think also, you know, as you get older, also, you kind of throw in the towel a little bit, you know, like you kind of just become less adventurous and you, again, you know, comfort zone and that sort of thing. And, but I'm just always trying to, you know, find opportunities to just put a bounce in my step and bring a smile and do something fun, meet someone new and just, you know, I'm, I'm always doing kind of random acts of kindness when I'm out in the world. Like that's a really fun one, you know, paying someone's meter, you know, just making someone's day, you know, I, I'm always, yeah, random act of kindness. I mean, it's kind of like playing Santa Claus, you know, and, and everybody wins out of that deal. So that's a big one for me is how can I brighten someone else's day and in turn brighten my own. I just had Bernadette Russell on the podcast who, who's written a whole book about this. She did a 365 day project where she did exactly that. She would a random act of kindness. And I think out of 300, it was a leap year. So out of 366, she only got rejected twice, which she thought was pretty good odds. And what she said was, because uh, we talked about expectations in relation to uh, these random act of kindness. And she said that actually what you don't realize is you put this kindness out into the world and it ripples along and sometimes, nice. not often, but sometimes it will come back to you. But what you yeah. just need to know is that 
those ripples go on and they don't disappear. They ripple right. throughout the world. And I always thought, and I thought that was a lovely way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, that always reminds me of like the dog that barks, right? So there's a dog that starts barking and then the next door neighbor's dog hears the dog barking and that dog barks and then somebody else down the street hears it. And so your dog could be responsible for dogs barking worldwide. You know? <laughs> I like that. I like that very much. It's the ripple effect. Okay, Renee, we are at the end of our time together, but I knew it was going to be awesome and it absolutely was utterly brilliant. And I really, really appreciate your time. Listeners, I will put the links to Renee in the show notes, not just Renee's Instagram, which I encourage you to follow, but Renee's skincare line, because I'm using her products right now and I'm really digging them. Please go and do, would you just mind just very briefly explaining the test that people can do. And I'll put the link in the show notes, but the test they can do to find out their skin type, because you have a very specific, um, you have five very specific skin types. Yeah, uh, nine skin types. So I believe that there are nine types of skin. Um, I learned early on um, in my career as an esthetician that, you know, brands when it came to skincare products and even analyzing skin, what, what, you know, when I went to school, they just kind of want to do the dry, normal, oily thing or dry, normal, sensitive, or, you know, but just three skin types, four skin types, five tops. And everyone's kind of a mixture of all of those things. And then add in things like rosacea or, you know, melasma or, you know, all the other, you know, adult acne, which is different from you know, teen acne, occasional acne is different from frequent acne, you know, that sort of thing. And so, so I determined there were nine types of skin and people can go to renerelo.com and take a, a quick and easy skin type quiz. And then they'll be put into one of the nine skin types. And then I do have my own skincare line that brings lots of joy to lots of faces. And, um, and then they can get a curated routine based on their skin type. So at the end of the day, it's really about results. Cause you know, most people have, when they use skincare products, they, they'll, you know, have a cleanser from this line and a moisturizer from this line, and they're kind of curating their own routine. And the problem that I sought to solve was, you know, I have the routine that's all curated, that's, you know, giving you everything, you know, that you need. So my skincare line has 50 products, and that spans the nine skin types. So it's super curated and ultimately will um, drive better results. I'm having a great time with the triple berry, um, Smooth, yeah. Smoothing peel. Smoothing I don't peel. Get, I, uh-huh. Terrible at remembering the names. But yeah, that is such a pleasure to use and it smells absolutely incredible. Yes. So yeah. um highly recommended. So that's that's Renee Rulo. If you want to hear more, then obviously I'll put the link in the show notes as well to our long conversation, which really does cover all of Renee's skincare expertise and her incredible career and her products. But these have been your feel-good habits, and Renee, they were bloody brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emma. I appreciate the opportunity. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.